From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool and come gather around the fire. Winter is coming. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Hollywood actor, or sorry, Hollywood film director, Hollywood film director, author Paul Davids is standing by and we'll talk about his latest project, Marilyn Monroe Declassified. We've had quite a run the last couple of weeks. We sort of unraveled the mystery of Howard Hughes. Then that was followed by uh, solving the mystery of D.B. Cooper. And tonight it's Marilyn Monroe. I mean, it's not me doing this, but this really speaks to the quality of guests uh, I think that we bring on this program. Uh, thanks to everyone who attended Take a Walk on the Dark Side yesterday at the J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium. Our Gary Patterson was in fine form, our rock uh, historian and author. He delivered for three hours, story after story. And, uh, of course, it was um, quite a thrill to see Peggy Sugaren and uh, Rita Box, the sister of the late David Box, who replaced Buddy Holly in the crickets for a short time. And, of course, John Lennon's best friend, Bill Harry, Leo Lyons from 10 Years After. Great show. Great show. Uh, so keep checking on my live events page at strangeplanet.ca because there are more great events coming your way. Technical producer Ian Robertson is here and on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and dials. And Ian, my friend, my fine rockabilly friend, you you missed a great show yesterday. We um, we heard some amazing stories, not only about Buddy Holly, but Eddie Cochran. And I've often referred to you as the reincarnation of Eddie Cochran. Do you do any Eddie Cochran uh, uh, songs in your in your repertoire when you're out gigging? Yeah, we got 20 Flight Rock down. Oh, cool. you got to do 20 Flight Rock. I would love to hear you perform that. Sorry? I would love to hear you perform 20 you Flight it. Rock. All right, we'll do it. Uh, and, uh, of course, our re- resident remote viewer and my faithful story producer, Albert Vinzel, is in the house once again. Albert is our resident uh, remote viewer, as I say, and uh, very quickly, once again, we're going to do it. Albert, what is in the box? Oh, I wisened up a little bit this week, and I brought the crib sheet with me. <laughs> so I, I picked off a bunch of words off of them. Okay, now when you're saying the crib sheet, you mean sort of the remote viewing protocols. Is that right? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, okay. They can see it online on the Hangout Now. All right. So what do you think? You've been sitting in in the studio look, staring at that box, <laughs> utilizing your remote viewing skills very quickly. What's in the box? Okay. Texture, grassy, semi-soft, leafy, colors, green, red. Uh, dimensions, round, circular, light, small, tiny, tubular, temperatures, cool, airy, aesthetic impact, peaceful, pleasant. Wow. Uh, smells, earthy, taste, sweet. Is it garden green peppers? Open up the box, Albert. You, my friend, have done very well tonight. It's, let's let, let, let people see it. It's an olive. <laughs> wow, Albert, I am impressed. We started this project about, uh, what, uh, three, four weeks ago. And a um, little rocky off the start, but that's all right. No pressure. Right. And you nailed it. And I, I'd have to say that's outstanding. You said a, a garden pepper, but it's an yeah. olive. And uh, well done, my friend. I'm very impressed. Well, the the good thing about remote viewing is that you can do it anywhere you are. You just the paper and pencil, and the possibilities are limitless. Like right. you can well, solve you... cold cases, technology from other planets. Okay, <laughs> so let's see how you do next week. Albert Vinzel. 
next week on the program, uh, documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan will be here for the full two hours. And he'll be discussing his latest project called Goliath Rising. All right. Newly declassified FBI and CIA documents shed light on the untimely death of Hollywood's uh, one of the great icons, of course, Marilyn Monroe. And these documents provide the context for a new film by my first guest. Paul Davids is from Bethesda, Maryland, the son of a famous Georgetown University professor of American history, Dr. Jules Davids, who worked extensively with John F. Kennedy on writing Profiles in Courage, for which his father is credited in the preface. And he was also a professor to Jacqueline Kennedy and later to Georgetown undergraduate Bill Clinton. Paul Davids is a graduate of Princeton University, where he majored in psychology and won numerous awards in writing. He then attended the American Film Institute Center for Advanced Film Studies in Beverly Hills. He's married to Hollis Davids, who is a senior vice president of special projects for Universal Pictures and has produced several of his films. After a few years of working as a script analyst for Hollywood agent Paul Koner, where he read all the submissions for Charles Bronson, John Huston, and even William Wyler. His career in film and television took off when he got his first break as a production coordinator and a writer of the original Transformers TV show for Marvel Productions. He co-wrote with Hollis the first, or, sorry, the Fires of Pele, uh, Mark Twain's legendary lost journal, and the husband and wife team also co-wrote six Star Wars sequel novels for Lucasfilm and Bantam Books including the award-winning Mission from Mount Yoda, plus the Glove of Darth Vader, The Lost City of the Jedi, Zorba the Hutt's Revenge, Queen of the Empire, and Prophets of the Dark Side. The books sold millions of copies and were published in many languages. Paul David's films are known for controversy, beginning with Roswell, starring Martin Sheen, Kyle MacLachlan, and Dwight Yoakam, a 1994 nominee for Golden Globe as Best TV Motion Picture which he executive produced and co-wrote as a Showtime original movie. It dealt with issues of extraterrestrial life and the purported truth embargo on the subject of E.T. contact. His other films include Timothy Leary's Dead, Starry Night, and The Sci-Fi Boys, and of course, The Life After Death Project. His latest release, once again, is Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Paul Davids, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. I'm fine, and... Uh... Everything's good here in Los Angeles, but there's fireworks occasionally going off in the background. They they think Halloween is the 4th of July here, I guess. <laughs> I should also point out, you're one heck of a magician. You know, we, we had uh, breakfast, uh, you and I, and um, down in uh, Venice. Santa, in Venice, that's right. And uh, I, you, you, you did a little magic trick for my guys that I recorded on my iPhone, and I, I keep it there because every, I'd say every two weeks now, they ask, can I see that again? I, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, so. that's really great. Now, I've been a member of the Magic Castle in Hollywood, which is the Academy of Magical Arts for like, about 30 years. And uh, I go all the time and see some of the greatest magicians in the world. And uh, I've... Uh, Developed a few routines myself. Well, you know, it's. It, I was spellbound. Just, I was sitting across the table, and I could not figure out how you did what you did. But now we're going to talk about some movie magic. Yeah. And uh, Marilyn Monroe declassified. Uh, let's. If we could begin, Paul, just spend a few minutes talking about the timeline of Marilyn's death, because here we are, 54 years ago, last August 5th, and there are so many discrepancies uh, and inconsistencies with the story of, of what really happened on Fifth Helena Drive in Brentwood? 
the timeline of her death. Well, uh, she died August 4th, 1962. The official date is given as August 5th because the death was reported at around 4 in the morning on August 5th. But we know from various testimony that uh, she was deceased uh, about six hours earlier than that. And the death went unreported for those six hours, while some of those who had been closest to her uh, personally and in her career huddled uh, about uh, what was to be done. Uh, we know so much more now uh, than we did long ago. The death was originally reported by the coroner as a probable suicide. That's an adjective that is almost uh, never used on these death reports. It's either a suicide or it isn't. But there was no suicide note. And there was so much ambiguous information uh, about the death. It was an overdose of barbiturates. So um, it was at that time assumed to be a suicide and was not treated as a criminal investigation. But it should have been. Uh, Originally, most of the players involved gave a concocted story um, about how she was discovered. It was a story that was agreed upon in those uh, hours. Her housekeeper, Eunice Murray, changed her story, what, three, four times? Yeah, the, the information from the housekeeper is really uh, important here because she actually wrote a book about her uh, life working for Marilyn and uh, included about Marilyn's death, <clears throat> but never mention some very uh, key information until many, many years later when interviewed by uh, CNN. I think she felt she'd been carrying the burden of secrets too long, and she confirmed that Robert Kennedy, the brother of President Kennedy, had been uh, visiting Marilyn that afternoon. That had never come out before. And she also said that there had been an altercation between them. Um, now, there's a mystery here. Some writers have magnified this information into a claim that the Kennedys were involved in her death. What I've done in Marilyn Monroe Declassified, which, by the way, was just released uh, September 27th on Blu-ray and DVD. So it's just out now from a company called Film Rise in New York. What I've done is to assemble the testimony and the evidence in a way that has never been done before. No one's done the complete job before, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've picked up the relevant pieces of testimony from 1962 from those who were unsatisfied with the suicide pronouncement then. Um, the botched autopsy, the uh, missing biological samples, uh, so that the investigation could never be completed at that time. And now, was that, uh, Thomas Noguchi was recent, recently new on the job as yes, the, as he the, was. uh, in Los Angeles he, County? He I mean, wasn't the full coroner at that time. No. Uh, Kerfey, some, a doctor named Kerfey was. Right. And Kerfey was rather dictatorial in the way he handled it. For example, uh, one of the assistants, Lionel Grandison, did not want to sign the death certificate because he felt that uh, all the information relating to the death was not in the file. Uh, and he declared um, in an interview that there was a cover-up involving Marilyn's death and that 
he couldn't help being part of it because he was ordered to sign the death certificate when he wasn't prepared to do that. This is the information that goes back to 1962. Now, through the decades, stories have changed, more information came out, I think people felt guilty about some of the things that were withheld, and then uh, over the course of the last uh, 15 to 20 years, there have been the declassifications of important documents related to Marilyn's life and her death. Now, related to her life, the fact that she was under the magnifying glass of the FBI, that her phone was tapped for years. Wasn't it, James it, Jesus Angleton listening in? Well, or, or his lieutenants. Right. And he, he was the head of counterintelligence for the CIA at that time. And his story, uh, I mean, we could talk a whole show just about that. Extraordinary situation where someone had so much power within the CIA, no president could get rid of him for, for decades. That's true. Let me uh, just jump in here, Paul. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back and continue our discussion of Paul David's newest release. Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Welcome back. For those of you just joining the program, Paul Davids is with us, Hollywood filmmaker, and his latest project just released uh, at the end of September on Blu-ray is Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Just before we get back to that conversation, uh, just wanted to once again... Uh, kudos to Albert, my story producer and uh, resident remote viewer, who nailed it tonight uh, okay. with our little segment called What's in the Box? And uh, he, he guessed that it was a, uh, a pepper, a fresh uh, garden pepper, but in fact it was an olive. Very, very close. Well done, uh, Albert. We're g- I'm going to have to uh, let my my friend Russell Targ, who uh, of course headed the... Uh, the um, psychic research at uh, Stanford Research know how well you did tonight. I know Russell. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Albert. What was that? You. I, I know Russell. Well, yeah. well, I know well that's that's one I'd like to move on to solve real world problems, like get practical results. <laughs> okay. Well done. Okay. All right. Um, we're talking Marilyn Monroe and um, uh, Paul. Before the break, we were discussing uh, how much more we now know over the last fifteen and twenty or fifteen twenty years. But let me just go back and pick up on a few points here, if we could. Sure. And um, we, we mentioned the housekeeper Eunice Murray, who kept changing her story. Now, when when the the police arrived on the scene, she was she was cleaning up and and doing she was washing the bed sheets, lin, bed linen or something, wasn't she? Sergeant Jack Clemens uh, reported that that she was doing the bed sheets when he arrived at the scene, and uh, he, he did not believe it was a suicide from the beginning. Uh, he said the body looked staged on the bed. Uh, the bottles on the pills nearby were, the caps were neatly put on. He couldn't find a glass of water any around, where <clears throat> around to swallow pills. Yeah, that's crucial. I mean, if she took that many, those, that many pills and she didn't have a glass of water, can you imagine? That's the, a- uh, yeah, the blood toxicity level was extremely, uh, high, which led to speculation that she would have, uh, been deceased before she could have swallowed all those pills if she'd done it deliberately. No, you know, uh, there was the uh, evidence involving the colon uh, and uh, purplish discoloration at a point in the colon, which um, suggested that if it was murder, that the probable means would have been uh, the use of a barbiturate suppository, which um, 
author Milo Spiriglio, who's written a couple of books about Marilyn Monroe's murder, uh, says that that was a technique that the mob used uh, a number of times. You know, the, the, the twists and turns of, of this, um, and I, I want to discuss my own motivation uh, here, too, for digging into this again. There was supposed to be a, a renewal of a, 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 well, there was supposed to be a grand jury investigation in the 90s. There had never been one before. And for political reasons, the uh, that was killed, and the uh, grand jury foreman was fired right before they were going to make an announcement about reconvening it. There have been really strong political pressures to keep this from ever getting a full investigation. Uh, Police Chief Tom Redden uh, has said that uh, there that it was treated with the highest level of uh, security, um, like an intelligence, um, uh, a high-level intelligence operation, the hours after her death. Things were cleaned up and sanitized at the house. Uh, fingerprints removed. Bobby Kennedy had been there. Uh, the phone had been tapped. And we know that uh, the mob had been tapping her phone. We have all the testimony we need. It's all in the movie, from Fred Otash, the wiretapper, he worked with a man in New York named Bernard Spindel. Um, so uh, uh, the CIA had been listening, and they had wiretaps. We have a CIA document that talks about the results of wiretap conversations. They were concerned about things that Marilyn had picked up from President Kennedy that may have been classified, that she may have been talking to friends about. The legendary Red Diary. Uh, and there was the legendary Red Diary that's never been found. We don't know for a fact that it existed. We don't know what happened to it. There's been conflicting testimony about that. My point is that after all this time, I felt, first of all, that we owe it to Marilyn to clear this cloud that uh, she took her own life and it was suicide when it wasn't. The evidence that it wasn't is overpowering. Now, some have felt through the years that it was an accidental overdose. I do not think so. I mean, um, uh, there, there have been many, many books written. I've read them all. Those that say suicide, accidental overdose, and those that say murder. I think now that the jigsaw puzzle of evidence of the pieces that fit together showing murder, motivation, means, the why, the reasons, who was involved, and that Marilyn was a pawn in a large political game of vendetta at that time that had to do with... Uh, with the mob, specifically the Chicago Syndicate and Sam Giancana, um, the mob's relationship with the Kennedys, which at one point had been cooperative, but then Robert Kennedy um, prosecuted the uh, the head mobsters with an absolute uh, vengeance. And this made the Kennedys public enemy number one for the mob. It was a vendetta. Jimmy Hoffa, who was later murdered and his body never found, was uh, was uh, uh, involved. Is it possible, Paul, that, that Hoover, who had a major hate on for the Kennedys, and Bobby, uh, and of course, you know, his people are listening in, and he's got a, a dossier probably enough to fill a filing cabinet on Maryland. Is it possible that he saw an opportunity here? Because, as you mentioned, Bobby was at the house. He was... His cover story was he was going to be in San Francisco, but there's a report a police officer stopped Peter Lawford 
Yes. Bobby Kennedy was in the backseat of the car for some minor infraction. Yes, that was police officer Lynn Franklin. Hmm. Is it possible that, that Hoover saw an opportunity here to hang this on Bobby Kennedy? I don't think so. Uh, I really don't, because uh, he had uh, he had documents at his disposal that uh, really intensely could have uh, implicated Bobby Kennedy if he had released them, but they were kept classified. Uh, we do think that he used information that he knew from the wiretaps of the Kennedys' relationships with Marilyn Monroe to keep his job, because uh, the Kennedys at that time, history tells us that uh, they would have loved to... Uh, replace J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI at that time. But they didn't. And even after Marilyn Monroe's death, uh, Robert Kennedy was quoted soon thereafter as praising J. Edgar Hoover to the skies. Um, I think that some leverage was being used there. But I think the most, the most important pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, there is the FBI document uh, establishing Robert Kennedy was there in that afternoon that was finally declassified. We know now that was true also from uh, Eunice Murray, uh, the housekeeper. Um, it suggested that Bobby Kennedy was somehow tainted by this by Marilyn Monroe's psychiatrist who said it to a we- CNN uh, interviewer, I can't tell you the whole story. If you want to know it, ask Bobby Kennedy. That was Dr. Ralph Greenson. Yeah, Ralph Greenson. Now, all of this is in my film, Marilyn Monroe Declassified. This was the job of archiving selecting, finding all of this, these hundreds of bits of testimony and relevant evidence spanning over uh, 60 years at, at this point, and putting them together like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle so that the viewer can absolutely see how it's all interconnected and, and, and determine that the claim of murder with involvement with the Chicago Syndicate Sam Giancana, uh, handling this as a contract killing. He confessed, Sam Giancana, to family members uh, that, this is, that this happened. It was covered in a book called Double Cross by his brother and a nephew. But uh, although it was reported in the media, it wasn't taken as seriously as it needed to be. Um, then came the uncovering of the CIA document from James Angleton showing how they were wiretapping Maryland uh, that they were concerned that she might talk. And you have to understand from history the intimate relationship at that time between the CIA and Sam Giancana's outfit because they were collaborating in an attempt to assassinate Fidel Castro. It's widely known. Uh, his, historians uh, have reported that part for decades. So the fact that the CIA relied upon the Chicago syndicate to wipe out certain people whose existence was very uh, problematic for them, um, that's not a big leap at all. So we've got testimony, we have documents, and no one in the media has ever put all this together satisfactorily before. A couple of attempts, BBC did it, but I think like 20 years ago before all the information was on the table. Right, right. So I think Marilyn Monroe Declassified, for those who are fascinated and want the facts, you'll find it all here like you've never seen it. Richard, I also want to say it's not just an examination of her death. It's also uh, an examination of her wonderful life, her career, the entertainment, the 
excelling as a comedian, as a singer, uh, becoming an icon, so loved, still loved today, adored, someone who started life um, in an orphanage, really. I mean, she was, when her mother lost her capacities, uh, Marilyn was sent to an orphanage uh, early, raised in uh, like nine foster families. Yeah, tragic, tragic life. I mean, all the odds were against her ever becoming uh, a star, and uh, she she did it. So the movie looks at, at that, at some of her greatest films, and what was going on behind the scenes throughout that, through her three marriages, why it was that her marriage to Arthur Miller got her into so much trouble. Sure, I mean, he was, this is during the, uh, the height of the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis. She was, she was, uh, I mean. It was the House on American Activities Committee against right. the communists. Khrushchev and, loved her. Nik- Nikita Khrushchev loved Marilyn Monroe. And did they not meet? Did they, didn't, didn't they go down, didn't he, she meet him in Mexico? I, th- I don't think it was in Mexico, but I think they did meet, yes. Yeah, I mean, you can almost, you can understand the panic. I mean, people who weren't alive then don't realize how close the United States and the Soviets were to to nuclear war. That's true. That's that's absolutely true. She she died about one year and two months before John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Important to say that a year after John F. Kennedy was shot, another of his mistresses, Mary Pinchot Meyer was shot twice and killed while jogging near her home. Yes, we'll be doing that show in a few weeks. It's really important how it connects to this, hmm. because, I don't know, are you doing it with Peter Janney? The, uh, the, the, the author of uh, Mary's Mosaic. Yes, I believe so. Uh, yeah. I'll have to check he, that. Uh, he and I went to Princeton together, by the way. We were oh, there at right? the same time. Hmm. Now, we didn't collude in any of these theories. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been in touch with Peter Janney, because he... Um, integrates how uh, James Angleton, who we've said was head of counterintelligence for the CIA, uh, that he is implicated in the death of Mary Pinchot Meyer in the extent that uh, he was looking for her diary, had broken into her house to look for the diary and was caught red-handed by Ben Bradley, the publisher of the Washington Post. Ah, isn't that interesting? And he's involved in the Marilyn Monroe case because we have a document signed by him with concern about a wiretap about Marilyn Monroe and some of the things that she knew from John F. Kennedy that they were concerned about. All that pillow talk. You know, it also, in addition to questions about H-bomb testing and Fidel Castro, there is a mention of President Kennedy's visit to a secret air base for the purpose of examining things from outer space. Was that Wright-Pat or perhaps f- Area 51? No, no, 51? Wright-Patterson wouldn't have been the secret air base. I, 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 I don't believe that isn't a secret air base. That's a very publicly known air base. Well, but the hangar, I'm, I'm, you know, the hangar. Uh, but you're saying Area 51, perhaps. Well, I think Area 51 may not have been established by then. I'm not absolutely sure. Hmm. But, um, but, but the point is, Dorothy Kilgallen, mm-hmm. a reporter of that era who knew Mar- Marilyn Monroe, Right. She was wiretapped, too, and so the CIA document talks about a conversation happened with Mary Kilgallen where she's referencing this visit to the airbase for the purpose of seeing things from outer space. And she is uh, hypothesizing at that time that this has to do with the flying saucer crash in the southwest. That would have been Roswell. So for those who doubt Roswell, (laughs) I have many reasons to say don't. (laughs) 
Don't doubt it. I produced the movie Roswell for Showtime. That's right. We mentioned that. I've had it from insiders. I've had uh, personal meetings uh, with Ed- Edgar Mitchell, who walked on the moon. Um, and uh, other, 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 other sources. Well, it, the, the, this long-standing rumor that after Marilyn was spurned by John Kennedy, and of course the, the big embarrassment at the White House, and supposedly, you know, Jackie Kennedy was just fuming that she showed up to sing Happy Birthday to the President. Yeah, and, Jackie Kennedy didn't show up to that birthday party. Oh, she didn't. Interesting. No, but she was I, off horseback riding. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if. If it, you know, if the mob hadn't done it, was she, I mean, was she in fact threatening, this is the rumor, she was threatening, she was going to divulge, she was going to hold a press conference, and she was going to spill the beans on all this pillow talk and the contents of her diary? The CIA document that I'm referring to does uh, indicate that she was considering having a press conference in which she would tell all. Those are the words that are used, tell all. Now, um Critics have pointed out that she never set up that press conference. Um, and uh, the point is, though, that even if she had been uh, peeved and mentioned to a friend that she was thinking of doing it, you know, saying, you know, maybe I, maybe I should, you know, they would deserve it, that would have been enough from those who were wiretapping her to sound all the alarm bells. Exactly. You know, National red security flag, red risk. Flag. Can't National take that risk. National security risk, to be sure. Yeah. Uh, and in a way, you can almost understand. Uh, we'll take a time out and uh, come back and continue our conversation with Paul Davids. And the film is Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening. And so are you. To The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Paul Davids is with us. Filmmaker Marilyn Monroe Declassified. Uh, released on Blu-ray the end of September. Uh, Paul, how can people get a hold of this uh, film? Amazon has it now, uh, both in Blu-ray and in standard definition. Uh, There are other uh, online uh, sellers of it. As I said, just released, so it's not available for streaming yet. Um, I think they tell me that, you know, sometime next year it'll be streaming and... uh, but for Canada, uh, now I'd suggest uh, going to Amazon is a, a, good, a good way. Um, Amazon.ca, yes. Yeah, and, and the, the website for the film, for more information, is marylanddeclassified.com. Um, we, are, we are shipping it to other countries uh, where it's not available uh, yet. Uh, so if people from other countries are listening, if they contact us through the website, you know, that, that can be done. Um, and uh, I think that's the best way to, uh, you know, to get a hold of it right now. Right. Uh, earlier uh, during the commercial break, we, uh, we were streaming uh, this live on YouTube through our Hangout on Air, and we saw uh, a number of images of these Marilyn Monroe dolls. Yes. Uh, tell us about those. It's a fantastic, fabulous collection of Marilyn Monroe dolls. Uh, most of them belong to Greg Schreiner who is the president of Marilyn Remembered, the fan club. Uh, he's a collector of Marilyn Monroe memorabilia, and, uh, you know, he has dresses she wore in different movies, uh, various possessions of her, all kinds of art depicting Marilyn Monroe, and absolutely dozens of dolls, each one dressed to fit Marilyn's appearance in a different one of her movies. Um, 
Now, a couple of those dolls uh, were not Greg Schreiner uh, collectibles, but they were part of an auction at Profiles in History. And I had hoped to get one of those of Marilyn Monroe from the Misfits, an absolutely fabulous large doll in a plastic case. Um, but the bidding went too high for me on that one. Um, there was one of Marilyn in a famous uh, seven-year itch dress, also that, that doll auctioned at Profiles in History, which was the auction house that auctioned that actual dress. And uh, that dress sold for about $5.5 million dollars. Wow. It's uh, the, the, the white dress that she was wearing in the, the scene where she's standing over a subway grating. Yes, and, yes. I think we're looking at that right now. Famous scene where the dress was blown up. And her husband at that time, baseball player, baseball great of the New York Yankees, mm. Joe DiMaggio. Yes. He was, uh, he was very upset by that scene, you know, his wife having sure. exposed in her panties, you know, in a major film. It Absolutely. Caused... He was a straight arrow, wasn't he? Now, any truth to the rumor that Marilyn and Joe were going to remarry? I think that, uh, I think that, uh, there, there, there is truth to that. that really? Rumor. Fascinating. Uh, you know, she was very close to Joe DiMaggio's son. And, mm-hmm. uh, the housekeeper had reported that, uh, she had a phone call from Joe DiMaggio's son, uh, just, uh, you know, shortly before she went into her room that night. Right. And that's sounding very, very cogent. Upbeat, very yeah. upbeat uh, phone call that she was, uh, you know, she was vivacious, she was happy, certainly nothing consistent with suicide. We think that there was a rap on the door after that. Um, we think that, uh, Although many people have believed that Peter Lawford was the last phone call to Maryland that night, um, Jose Bolaños of Mexico, who was her escort at the last Golden Globes Award in Hollywood uh, that she went to, uh, he said he called her that night and that she spoke to him about uh, some of this um, these pillow talk secrets, and she said that she had been told a secret that was so fantastic and so incredible that if it's disclosed, it would change the entire world one day. This is what Jose Bolaño said. He never said what the secret was. He never said if he was told what the secret was. But people have questioned about that. Uh, and They've said, look, you know, the H-bomb stuff became declassified. The uh, the stuff about uh, the attempt to get Fidel Castro, uh, what would have still been classified when Jose Bolaños uh, talked about this? UFOs, uh, UFOs. So you've got Roswell. You've got the extraterrestrial presence of which she probably was told about, which they've kept secret from us ever since. So, a um, fascinating story. Then Bolaño said that she heard some kind of uh, knock on the door, an altercation of something, noise outside, and that she went to answer the door, you know, just putting down the phone, and that she never came back to the phone, and that he was hanging on, hanging on, and then that somebody just click, somebody just hung up the phone. Um, oh, dear. So... We speculate that that was the arrival of the hit squad sent by uh, Sam Giancana, who chose that night, knowing that Bobby Kennedy had been there earlier in the day, expecting his fingerprints would be found in the investigation, uh, that there'd be letters from there, uh, from him there, that 
could be found, uh, that embarrassing the Kennedys, putting them in a compromising position, which could destroy the Kennedy administration, was uh, a huge goal of Sam Giancana and his Chicago outfit at that time. Right. So well, we, we, I want to come back to that. Uh, I want to come back to that. We're, we're heading into a break here, um, yeah. but I also want to touch upon the, again, the, the, the narrative that she was despondent. She, she had been fired by 20th Century Fox from she was making Something's Got to Give. Was that with Dean Martin? Yes, it was. Absolutely I, it, was. You know, uh, I, I, I've always been a huge Dean Martin fan, but when I learned that he absolutely refused to make that movie without her, yeah, and he ended up taking a big financial hit. Wasn't he fined something like three quarters or sued for three quarters of a million or something? I don't know what happened to him in in that regard, but the uh, the idea that she was so despondent then that she might have taken her own life uh, was part of the cover up of that time. Yeah. You know, in fact, her lawyer had uh, negotiated a much better contract for her to go back to work on that. Show. Right, that was the understanding that she was going to be rehired, and so huge salary increase. There you go. Able to dictate if she wanted to change the director, sitting on her lawyer's desk at that time. No, nothing for her to be upset about. Absolutely not. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into the life and death of. Mary Marilyn Monroe with Paul Davids. Marilyn Monroe Declassified, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Paul David stays with us, and the uh, film is Marilyn Monroe Declassified, available on Blu-ray, and uh, you, here in Canada, you can order it through Amazon.ca, and of course, to our American listeners, Amazon.com. That's probably the fastest way. Uh, uh, Richard, it's yes. also available on standard definition for those who don't have Blu-ray. Standard definition. Thank you for that. Um, here, I, I'm sitting here in my studio, and across the parking lot here at Zoomer Zoomerplex is Moses Neimer's TV Museum, and I know you've been up here for Idea City, Paul. Did yes, you get I've been a chance? Speaker there on Life After Death Project. That's right. Did you get a chance to see uh, uh, um, Marilyn's TV that Moses owns? Yes. Yeah. Moses is so gracious to me when I was up there and <clears throat> gave me a private tour of the uh, television museum. Showed me Marilyn's uh, television that he purchased at quite a price. <laughs> I think that's his prized possession. And uh, I. I, I do remember that. I know Moses uh, personally is very interested in uh, the Marilyn Monroe uh, case, and also Marilyn Monroe is an icon and is a star, and the incredible, incredible lasting legacy that she's uh, left for us. So uh, I thank Moses for for all of that. And as a matter of fact, there's bonus features on the uh, on the DVD. There's 40 minutes of bonus features. Uh, one of them is my interview with. Uh, not just Greg Schreiner, who has the doll collection that we talked about, um, but Pierre Voudrag, who has a photography collection of Marilyn Monroe. And in that bonus feature, I have um, some photographs from the Moses Neimer Television Museum, the Zoomer Media Museum, and, and Marilyn's uh, television. So that's part of it. There's also uh, an additional... Uh, an interview um, uh, with me that was done by television producer Ron James <clears throat> so that the for the DVD it's like 40 minutes longer than the than the feature length Ron Ron James was featured also in the Life After Death project Yes 
the it, Ron Ron James has been very helpful, uh, and he has a uh, he has an associate producer credit on uh, the Marilyn Monroe. Uh, movie. You mentioned the Life After Death project, and, and you had me on uh, as a guest talking about that, uh, another of my documentaries. Uh, and Richard, we also talked about my book that you've read that followed that, yes. which is, uh, the, the, just came out in April called An Atheist in Heaven, yes. The Ultimate Evidence for Life After Death. And uh, so I've been so busy this year, I, I can't remember another year with two major projects coming out like this and they're and both such compelling compelling topics uh, let me ask you about bobby kennedy yeah. have you be, have you been able either through the the documents uh, or transcripts from the wiretaps or anything been able to um, confirm why bobby bobby was at the house was it he was trying to talk her in off the ledge because he was afraid she was going to spill the beans on jack and and so well, forth? i think so yeah as a matter of fact, uh, his visit to L.A. was very carefully covered up that weekend. Uh, he had an alibi witness, um, uh, John Bates, an attorney in San Francisco. The family was visiting the Bates that weekend at the ranch. There's pictures there. Um, but all the testimony uh, says that he left the ranch, took a quick trip to Los Angeles, saw her, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we were seen by policeman Lynn Franklin late at night being driven by Peter Lawford, who said that he was uh, taking the attorney general to his hotel to get his luggage that he had. He was on his way out of town. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Bobby Kennedy was kind of an innocent victim, uh, a sec- intended second victim in this. Not, not a perpetrator. I don't think he was involved in that respect at all, but I do think that the mob saw the opportunity to implicate him, and so it was like he was set up. Um, And I think that's one of the big lessons that comes out of the movie, because some authors have actually accused the Kennedys of having been directly involved here in her death, and I do not not think that's the case, and I think the evidence shows it it wasn't. Uh, You know, Richard, I I wanted a a chance to mention, you mentioned uh, my father as a professor of diplomatic history for 40 years at Georgetown University, one of the founders of the School of Foreign Service. So I grew up in a family where uh, finding the truth about American history was one of the uh, the principal uh, goals uh, held, held up to me as something of great importance. And uh, my father did have Jackie Kennedy in his class, at Georgetown, and Jackie Kennedy got my dad involved with uh, then-Senator John F. Kennedy uh, in the writing of Profiles in Courage. My dad wrote preliminary chapters of five chapters of the nine, working with Ted Sorensen and uh, John F. Kennedy. And my dad is mentioned in the preface, and even the John F. Kennedy Library has finally disclosed some of my father's writing and made, uh, I think, one of the chapters about Sam Houston available to the public. So that's history. My dad's, my family's connection with the Kennedys, it goes back to his days as a senator. What a legacy. You know, uh, and, and my dad was also a professor to Bill Clinton. Uh, and I've had my own connection to the Clintons on the UFO subject repeatedly. The Rockefeller Initiative. Um, well, in terms of the Roswell case, uh, my uh, finding ways to be able to provide real information to uh, Bill Clinton on 
two occasions uh, and having personal contact with him, which I so appreciated. I knew he took the subject seriously. So, you know, that aspect of my past sort of primed me to be interested in the Marilyn Monroe case because of her connection to John F. Kennedy. And then as the producer of Showtime's movie Roswell, I had this other thing in my background that drew me to the case because of the Roswell connection to the CIA Marilyn Monroe document. So it's amazing how those worlds collide, isn't it? it worlds collide. It's as though I was fated. I mean, if there's unseen forces and hands that work in this universe, then I was picked to do this project. It was an assignment from forces unseen, it feels like sometimes. You know, it was, it was a job to put together the entire case and let's clear the air, let's know what the historical facts were and that she was murdered. Now, as far as the involvement of government agencies, that's ancient history now, right? It was a different world then. It was uh, that phase of the Cold War and the communist hysteria and uh, the world as it existed then. I mean, it's different people, different players, different sets of rules. I, do you think? I don't know. Uh, different sets of rules. You know what? I, you know, uh, I look at history a little differently. I, I go back to like the War of the Roses and how um, there was obviously back then the subterfuge. It, it, it was it was played out often on the main stage. I mean, you know, royal houses would would war with each other. They would they would they would knock each other off, kill each other. Yeah. I think it's done. Much the same way now, but in, it still goes on. But it's a far more sophisticated uh, way. Uh, it's it's backstage. Occasionally, we see something spill out onto the main stage, and then we're distracted. You didn't see that, but I th- I don't think much has changed in that regard. Well, I think you it's, know, I, I think in some way, some of the ways it's changed. Because uh, you know, when, when back in the days when there were a lot of people bumped off, uh, and uh, you know, I mean it. It, it, it still happens, but I think that the larger technique these days is to discredit someone. Right. That when they don't want it to be believed, and this has happened again and again in the UFO field, where people have come out with real information, and then the effort is to uh, discredit people or implicate them in something that might have been um, illegal or uh, just make it so that they're, what they're bringing forward doesn't seem credible. So that's one way they deal with it now. And the other thing would be the change in the mob, uh, the evolution of the underworld, which <laughs> has sort of gone from, you know, thuggery of the prohibition and bootleg days and the Al Capone days and their submachine guns, and now they're big business. Right. You know, the casinos, right. when they were founding Las Vegas, you know, it was all, it was the underworld. And now, you know, Las Vegas, it's mainstream. The casinos, it's just mainstream, big business. Yeah, it's hard, to, companies. it's hard to figure out where the mob ends and Wall Street begins. It's all, it's all integrated and it all has to do with money. If right? they had, had uh, we just have a few minutes left here, Paul, yeah. and I, we could talk for hours and we'll, do, we'll have you on again to talk more. But Thank you. If, if they had this stuff on, on Bobby Kennedy, why didn't they use that first on Bobby and stop him that way instead of inviting him to cut through the kitchen at the Ambassador Hotel. Wow. Well, he was assassinated going through that kitchen uh, uh, Ambassador, and that was years later, wasn't it? That was 1968. Yeah. 68. Yeah. 
when he was running for president. But they could have, they could have... His brother was killed in, in, in 1963, so five years later, he was stopped from becoming president through an assassin's bullet. But they could have done it with this, by implicating him in Maryland's death, couldn't they? Wasn't that the intent? Well, when you say they could have done it, that's a whole other case. I mean, mm. we haven't talked about that. And uh, Sirhan Sirhan, and were there other people involved? Was it a conspiracy? A whole other case. And it's not one that I have expertise in. You no, know? but I'm saying if they had that information about, again, you're right, who's they? Well, if I think it's... it was too distant. And, and, and uh, the problem was Bobby Kennedy was immensely popular uh, there. And uh, he... Uh, he really might have won the presidency. It was against Nixon at that time, right? right so right. instead, he's shot, and Hubert Humphrey is nominated, and Nixon wins and becomes president. Uh, at that point, I don't think that uh, trying to discredit him with something like that, where they would have, you know, they would have done everything they could to debunk that information. I mean, it wouldn't have come out uh, as cleanly provable in any respect back then in 1968. Today, with all these declassified documents, all the additional testimony, we can understand the Maryland, the Maryland uh, case. But again, also, I don't think, you know, I don't think he was culpable in the Marilyn Monroe case apart from the fact that he, he was, he upset her. I right. Mean, he he, he right. wanted to dissociate the Kennedys from her. It was too dangerous at that point. They were being watched by too many people. And uh, he came as the bearer of that bad news. Wrong place at the wrong time, and so was she. Yeah, she was a pawn in this huge political uh, chessboard game, dangerous, way over her head. Right, yeah, and and that vulnerability and that 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 need that she had uh, to be to be wanted, yeah, uh, really lured her to her death. Yeah. Yeah, and the flirtation with a communist, because it wasn't just her marriage to Arthur Miller. She had left-leaning friends who were all suspect at that time. And I think it was part of who she was. I think she saw it as idealism, because, you know, in those days, if you were for integration, if you were for equality of blacks and whites, it was considered a communist idea, hmm. something promoted by the communists. Well, we... Uh... We'll have to leave it there, unfortunately, but uh, we'll revisit the topic. And, I uh, urge people to, to see Marilyn Monroe declassified. It'll be a great learning experience. And again, uh, on standard definition and Blu-ray, Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, Marilyn Monroe declassified. Paul, always a pleasure. Thank you for this. Thank you so much for having me. Paul Davids. StrangePlanet.ca, that's the website, your portal to this radio program. And please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. And once again, as I always say, follow the truth.